All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. Everybody, I'm Tyler Friel, and uh, today sitting in the man cave with the one and only J.R. Peterson. Nice to nice to sit down with you, J.R. It's been a minute. It has <laughs> been quite a while. But uh, well, J.R. I guess if you hadn't heard of him, it's kind of a rena- I'd consider you a Renaissance man, wolf trapper, bow hunter, guide. What else? Oh, done a little bit of everything. Scoundrel. Yeah. So just lucky to be here and enjoying the life Alaska gives us. So, Yeah. Where were you from again originally? Was it Michigan? North Dakota. North Dakota. Actually, Michigan, North Dakota. Oh. Little little farm town up there. So, yeah. Moved up here in 1991 in search of bears. And, uh, yeah, I think I killed a bear that first year the first bear i ever seen thought it was pretty big but ended up being about a 75 pound black bear yeah (laughs) but i was pretty happy and and i never left after that i kind of knew i was i was hooked yeah that was did did you move or was it was it a trip of extended vacation that you (laughs) that you decided not to go back no i kind of when i came up here i kind of moved up here i had everything in a in a GI duffel bag and and uh, had a 22 rifle and a bow and arrow and and a sleeping bag and some traps and told my folks I loved them and I had no intentions of going back. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got here, but yeah. So yeah, that seems like a pretty common thing, man. I mean, yeah. yeah but people, I don't know if you're kind of cut out for it, you end up figuring out away yeah you wouldn't it, yeah. you know no one's going to be the first person that came up here with with everything they owned on their back and not a and no solid plan <laughs> yeah yeah so i was lucky and met a lot of great people when i moved up here i was young i was 19 years old like two days out of college yeah and uh so i was just blessed on the people that i met outdoor you know trappers hunters construction mm-hmm. and i came up with a two-year wildlife tech degree yeah and was hoping to get on with fish and game and got into construction instead and that took me all over the state oh yeah because you were iron worker aren't you yeah, iron worker and, and the operators too so gotcha. yeah so yeah so i was blessed to get to cover the state with some really good people and and get paid for it and uh i remember i think i was 20 and i wanted to get into guiding and i went and seen the late leroy Schiebel. Oh yeah, and uh, so he's the guy. He's the guy that made that. This is my Alaska. This is my Alaska. Movie. Yep. So I went and seen his wife. He wasn't there, and and uh, had coffee and cookies with her. And she said he'd be in shortly. And he landed his cub out there on the river, <laughs> taxied up. Which I thought that was pretty neat. I hadn't spent any time in a super cub yet, and and uh, he taxied up to the house, and and I introduced myself, and I was a hundred and fifty year old kid, and. Or excuse me, 150 pound kid, yeah. you know, and from the farm, and and uh, I think I'd killed two caribou and a black bear by that time, you yeah. Know? And I and, uh, thought I knew it all, and and told him I wanted to get into guiding, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, uh, "Well, what kind of experience you had?" And I says, "Well, I got a black bear and a couple of caribou," and and he says, "Well, that's not really experience. Come back and see me when you get some more experience, yeah. you know." And so, kind of broke my heart, but anyway, it was. That was all right. And then I didn't get into the guiding until like 90, 97 or 98, I think, is when I got into it then. So Gotcha. And I guess kind of backtracking, 
Um, that polar bear in the airport is, is the one he killed on that movie he made, yep. wasn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've ever been in the Fairbanks airport, there's been a polar bear mounted in there for as long as I can ever remember. Yeah. But Yeah, to this day, that's probably one of the best hunting videos ever ever produced on on old Alaska. I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. just amazing. So. It was cool because if I remember right, they, he took through, t- they start out in the spring when they're going to airplane and wolves up north. And that was back when like Anaktuvik, because they flew in Anaktuvik Pass yep. and everyone was still living in sod huts. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically took you through an entire year of his operation or, you know. Yeah, you definitely, yeah. From, from uh, fishing, lake trout fishing in the spring. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it was pretty neat, so... Yeah, that was yeah. one thing I always slobber over when they're just just hauling in those slab lakers oh, left yeah. and right. Yeah, and I mean, that. so that kind of got me started on, you know, what kind of adventures you want to do. So, and yeah. I've tried that, and to this day, I've never, I've never hit that. That replicated. No, you know. So many, it seems like so many things up here are, whether it's fishing or hunting, so many things up here are like that where it's either you hit it yeah. And when you, yep. I mean, it's like magical when you really hit yeah. it or, you know, kind of like caribou hunting. It's like either they are everywhere yeah. or yep. they're nowhere. Yeah. And like in, in all the years I've caribou hunted up in the Brooks range, I've only hit that once where I was in, uh, in the middle of the migration where we had 7,000 head of animals totally surrounded us. Yeah. Well, and that was in that video too. I think on that ice yeah. fishing oh, yeah. trip, they had yeah. just yeah. caribou as far yeah. as you could see. Yeah. And I mean, that's just. It's just something to behold. I mean, if if you if you see it on a video, it, it just doesn't do it the same as being in there and the smells and the sounds of seven thousand animals. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. the The ground shakes when they walk. So and didn't they? Uh, you know, because all like some of those Frank Glasser stories about when that herd used to winter by Healy. Yeah. They figured one year there was like several hundred thousand caribou yeah. winter. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There was old articles and stories. Yep about it just i've never seen anything like it's just got to be crazy to yeah. actually be in the middle of something like that and when they're in that number it's i guess it's kind of like people they think their safety in numbers so their defenses go down so yeah. that lead cow that's leading that whole operation would smell my partner and i would as hunters and she'd be like no nope, oh, we got to stop there's there's danger ahead and the rest of the herd would like just just keep going yeah you know and just engulf her and, and take through you know and, and they'd be walking by us at feet yeah. So yeah, it's it's you almost forget what you're there for. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, several times I was like, I I wished I'd have taken more pictures. I wished I'd have taken you know more video. Yeah. So now as I get older, I mean, I I shoot more pictures and video than than I hunt. So as long as there's meat in the freezer now, there's I don't care for. No, and that's you know, that's so. really cool. You know, because you've. For, you've been into photography and wildlife photography for a long yeah. time. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's always cool seeing the shots you're getting out yep. from, you know, some so, of those moose shots you got from uh-huh. uh, one thing that was cool. Um, I thought you were talking about in one, some of those pictures I saw was you were saying how the, those big bulls kind of post rut were being gentle oh, yeah. with the littler bulls. Like they're not fighting, well, fighting. They're just kind of sparring. It was almost like you were with your son. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, we're just teaching you some, some basic survival traits you know and i mean that that big bull you know he was 60 inches and the other bull was 20 and the little bull was was showing effort you know and and but the big bull just kind of stood there and just slowly turned his head yeah 
and uh, it was just neat and you can tell if you spend enough time with with animals by looking in their eye so yeah. and if their whites of their eye are showing they're alert they're mm-hmm. they're nervous and these guys just the eyes were almost closed and they just slowly i mean you could oh. hardly hear them no oh, wow so and then the other two bulls that i took pictures of a quarter mile away from them they were a little bit closer in size and you could see the whites of their eyes they were pushing not full-on battle like they do in you know two weeks prior yeah but but, but pretty neat a little more so, aggressive yeah, yeah that's amazing where you know you think two three weeks before that that bigger bull there's no yeah, way he would uh, ever tolerate no, that yeah so you know would probably you know they'll kill little bulls oh, like yeah, that if they yeah and then to watch so so i'm watching these two little bulls and I'm not paying attention to what's behind me and all of a sudden, these two bulls break apart, and they're looking right over me. And I look down the hill, and here's a cow and a calf walking at a pretty good pace, covering country across the side hill. And these two just forget what they're doing, and they just go on after that cow yeah. and calf. And I, I tried to tell them, like, she's not in the mood. She's yeah. got a little calf, you know. And But both two of them trotted off after the cow and calf. And, and then it was funny because uh, about an hour later, I was done taking pictures of the other two bulls. And I don't know if they caught wind of the of that cow and calf, but all of a sudden they take off and pretty much follow that that trail too. There yeah. was a little bit of snow, huh. so you could see their tracks, so you could see where they were going. But yeah, so they all went over after that same little cow and calf. And <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. You got a lot of cool sheep sheep photos in the in the uh, portfolio, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. could say too. Um, That's just time out in the field. You know, you, you can't take pictures and and learn what I have about wildlife sitting sitting behind the TV or on the on the internet. You know, oh, you got to get out there. And so yeah, that's the but, truth. And you spend. I mean, you pretty much spend every spare. It's kind of kind of It's kind of unusual to catch you in town. Yeah, not married, no kids. You know, so if if I can be be out there, I'd rather be out out in the field than than sitting around the house. So but yep and you've uh because you got a cabin down in the alaska range and uh pretty much out there out there when every chance you get and you you've had so i've seen some pretty uh exciting you know especially you know during break right at the beginning of breakup or whatever because you've been yeah gone in there and then got stranded and had to had to put away your your sled for the summer haven't you yeah had to leave it over there and and fly out and and another time i had to go back to the cabin and leave it there at the cabin and fly out the the first time it happened i got to the river and the river went out and i didn't have enough gas to get back to my cat or i didn't think i did to yeah. get back to the cabin and i didn't want to get stuck out in the middle of the flat someplace run yeah. out of gas and then have to walk back yeah to where an airplane could pick me up so and that was just one of my unwritten rules I never haul gas out from the cabin, mm-hmm. so I don't come out with a full tank. Well, the whole reason for that unwritten rule was so there's no sense hauling gas back to town when you can leave it at the cabin because yep. everything's got to be hauled out there. Yep. But then this situation happens, and so now that rule's crossed off, yeah. <laughs> and I fill up when I leave just in case I have to turn around. Yeah. So that time I, I left it. And called one of my buddies, and and he come out and picked me up with the Super Cub, and uh, then I went back and got that snow machine in the in the summertime with the airboat. Yeah, 
And then, uh, then last year I come out, did the same thing. The river had went out. So I turned around and went back to the cabin, left it there. And then, uh, he flew, flew in and got me. So, yeah, but. it's funny. Uh, you know, a lot of the things I notice up here, like your little unwritten rules and stuff like that yeah. are little things that can make a big difference, oh, yeah. you know, and you, it's just, there's only almost only one way to learn them. You know, I try to pick up, yeah. pick up stuff like that from guys that are much smarter and more experienced yeah. than I am. But to a degree, everyone kind of learns their, has their yeah, own definitely. list of rules. Yep. And I, I was lucky enough with the guys that I ran with, they were doing this way before I was. So picked up their their ways and then changed to fit me you know so from how we load our our machines to what we put on our machines to the same with boats Mm -hmm. airplanes everything you know so and you just do what works for you and and you know if it if it doesn't work you change it and yeah well that's kind of you know and i i end up saying that a lot about skinning because i yep period throughout the year i'll i'll teach a few you know two to three fur handling classes and uh you know being a trapper yourself it's skinning especially i'll try to i try and tell people learn a bu- or try a bunch of different ways yeah. you know yep. every, everyone mm-hmm. that will show you how they do it yep. try it out because my it's you know my and everyone's method i think is a combination of stuff you've Definitely. been you've yep. been taught mm-hmm. and stuff that works yourself you can you end up working your own like concoction of yeah yeah no and it's funny how you know you've skinned so many animals and then you pick up somebody comes over there and does one little thing different that makes your you speed up your pro, you know oh, your yeah. production it's like holy cow how come i didn't think of that you know and skinning wolves i remember you know it's got a lot of wolves but i was pretty slow and i don't catch a lot of fur so i'm never in a hurry yeah i mean i like to do a really good job when i skin and and uh that's just something i take pride in i enjoy skinning mm-hmm. and uh i remember catching six wolves one year at one time <laughs> and uh had them all sawed out in the shop and this was this is a lot of work oh so, yeah so I called uh, Jim Masick down on the Chattanooga and, and asked him, first of all, I only had one stretcher. Yeah. And uh, so I asked him if, if I could borrow some stretchers. And he's like, yeah, what do you need? And I was like, well, I got six wolves. And, and he's like, really? And I says, could you help me skin? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm skinning one down here. I'll be back up. And uh, I'll see you tonight. So he shows up in town here at 7 o'clock that night. And we go to skinning. He skinned two to my one. Yeah. And I, I couldn't understand it, so I had to watch him. Well, first of all, I was doing too much knife work. Yeah. He was muscling him off, and then the knife work was on the fleshing beam. Yeah. I was doing so much knife work skinning, it was taking me twice as long on the beam because I wasn't leaving no weight to push it off. Yeah, and I and that's a big thing I tell people, especially on uh, stuff like otters. Otters oh, yeah. are a big one. Yep. If you or beavers, if yep. you can't legitimately clean skin them where there's not a lick, yeah. and it and it, that's tough. Yes, it you is. know some guys yep. can do yep. it. Um, just leave leave extra oh, flesh yeah. on there. It, it, critters, it's counterintuitive, but they always flesh better when yeah. you leave a yep. big thick layer because yep. you can take it all off in one whack. Yep, and it's weight to roll with that knife. Yep, and yeah, Jim showed me that, and then uh, the whole turning. I don't know if I ever showed you that where you hang it from the hide. So you get your wolf scun halfway down 
and oh, then I see. turn it and hang hang the wolf by its hide. So by the rump and the tail yep. and the back legs, take a piece of parachute cord or rope, go around that, and then hang it by the hide. Then your whole carcass weight is, is pulling, pulling itself yeah. out. And when I seen that, I was like, I cannot believe it's. I couldn't figure that out. Yeah. So I'll have to try that one because I. Oh, it's amazing. I want to say I've heard and I and I've got a setup that I could easily do it. And it just, you know, I'm thinking through my method. It's funny how ingrained I get in, oh, yeah. you know, I hang them by, start out hanging by the same leg, yep. switch, yep. you know, this, that. But, uh, and for frame of reference, I think when I, I mean, I knew enough to be dangerous and started skinning, really skinning more wolves. It would take me like first few, I think it was like eight or 10 hours to get them on the board. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And that's Heck not yeah. uncommon yeah. Oh, thing, no. No. you know. No. And it's now down when I'm kind of up to speed to four, four to four and a half hours, kind of depending on the wolf yep. from the carcass to uh-huh. on the board. And, but like you said, it was just a few things that yep. just shot me light years ahead, like skin in the feet. Yep. You know, of course I first, and how I had originally learned, I say learned to do it. I never learned really well, but tried skin and feet on the carcass. Yeah. And oh, then, no. you know, watch the video. All right, well, you know, cut, cutting the foot bones off, leaving them in there. And then after you get it off the carcass, I think the one I, was it, uh, oh, what's, what's his name's vi- fishing game video that did the fishing game videos on fur handling. Bob Hunter. I don't think it was Bob. Was it, um, the Alaska raw fur guy? Oh, um, Joe Maddie. Joe Maddie. I think he did yep, some of the did. videos yep. for him and, and he was, pull you know cutting off the toe bones and, and skinning them out individually and, er, and everybody has still has a yeah, different way definitely. of doing it and not doesn't mean one's better than the other but i started doing that and it went you know to where i could, I could get foot skinned in 15 oh, minutes yeah. yeah i thought i was oh, doing yeah. good and then and then one guy showed me how you you know i use a fish hook but just any kind yep, of s hook or whatever yep. you know punch it through the middle you kind of manually skin the foot down yep. a little bit hang them from the foot bones so the hide's pulling on the foot and you don't even have to touch the pad you just turn that whole foot inside out yep and i can skin a wolf foot flesh the pad in like less than three minutes yeah yeah you know it, it's just when you yeah so you're talking it takes you an hour go from taking an hour to skin all the feet to 15 minutes roughly. yeah but you could show somebody that exact <laughs> technique right there and they're still going to be a half hour in that foot i've oh, done yeah. it with our aerial hunting when we're yeah. doing that you know the guys are the the pilots and the and the guys that are shooting they'll bring them over and and i'll show them and i'll be skinning a wolf and they're both working on a paw and i'll have that wolf scun and they're still trying to take the bone out of that yeah foot. and i was like you got let me show you one more time and next thing you know they got their camera out videoing it and and i think they're just setting me up so i'd do it yeah so <laughs> <laughs> no but it's in in part of it i think is some people just have a have a natural ability yeah to, to yep. and, and not say that that people that are slow at it at first because yeah. speed oh, comes yeah. with practice it does Numbers, but uh yeah, you know like there's a there's a, a kid down in Toke. I say kid. He's like 16. He, he came to this uh, this um, fur handling class I did down there last year and was really picking up stuff fast. You uh-huh. know, because I, I showed him that and I was like, Eric, tell everyone I wish someone would have showed me this years ago. Oh, yeah. I wasted so oh, yeah. much time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And well, and then sometimes we're too arrogant to 
to listen. Oh yeah, or, to, or try or, something or, new or to watch. You know, and when I hear people talk about our our Alaska Trappers Association uh, schools and the the fur handling that you do, uh, the general trapping, the, all those, you know, and they're they're too arrogant to go to them. Well, the money that you can make in that fur handling. Oh yeah, I mean the the tricks that you would learn in that. The, you can't put a price on it. We should be able to charge four times what we do, and people wouldn't even think oh, yeah. twice about you it know, if they know how much money they're going to make off it. You oh know? yeah, well, so, and Mart, you know, Martin especially because yeah. that's kind of that's the money crop. Yep, yep. And they're easy, you know, if you got them around, they're yep. easy to catch. So for a beginner trapper, if you get in a decent area, you know, that's yeah. what you, that's what you're going to make your. It's what everybody makes their money on. Yeah. And yep. there's a few things that you know and hanging out over it over at Arctic Roffer, the yep. guy I skin for yep. at Bill's shop, see stuff come in all the time oh, yeah. that's it's well, you know, you you didn't put him back on the board to dry so you, sh- you can tell when stuff yep. shrunk. Or the biggest one is where people make their, their cuts. Their first cut. And yep. how they and how yep. they tack them out. You're like, yeah. well, well you just just like doing a brown bear or yep. a grizzly bear. You know, it's the same thing. That first cut is that's that's what makes the yep. difference. But so. you can look at them and be like, well, you lost forty dollars on that yep. one. Because, you know, a lot yeah. of those, some of those Martin will be right on the edge of a size. And if you make the cuts wrong, you get the smaller size yeah. and it can be 40, $50 or more difference. Yeah. Or to me, what, what makes, makes me laugh is the guys that you're skinning their wolves. Yeah. <laughs> so these guys go out there, you put all that work into catching them wolves then you get $200, $250 for that wolf. Yeah. Because you were too lazy or didn't want to do that work. Yeah. You didn't know how to do that work. You know, so now you have to do that. Well, they lose it on their end. Oh, I yeah. Mean, well, I, and I, it disheartens guys because they, they, you know, and they're it's a whole nother rabbit trail. Yeah. And everybody thinks yeah. their wolf's worth mm-hmm. $800. Yeah. But it's like, well, really? You know, okay, so he was only going to be worth 300 and I got to pay 100 120 bucks mm-hmm. to have him put up. <laughs> so out of all the wolves that I've caught, I think I've sold two for under $500. Yeah. And... One of those was one that I'd chopped out of the ice that I'd hit with the chainsaw a couple yeah. times and then took one foot off and the tail was gone and nicked it a couple times. But I tanned it and sold it for 350 bucks. Yeah. But other than that, I skin everything for taxidermy. Yep. And 500 bucks is my minimum on them. Oh, yeah. So, and that's tanned. And if, and if you do a good job, so, you know, that's yeah. it's worth it. So, definitely, know? yeah. So, and... Yeah, I mean that's just something to. And I, when I was a kid, I remember Dean Wilson. Every time somebody would bring furs in, he'd always comment on their fur handling. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a pleasure to know some of these fur handlers, and you know, call them friends. So you, and you learn from them. Yeah. But you know, and that that was kind of a big deal. Or somebody would come walking in, and and you'd see him roll his eyes, and you know, he's got a big bag of furs or something, and and you knew just the way Dean looked this was a poor fur handler. Yeah. You know, he's going to have some great fur that was handled poor. Yep. So. And that's the, you know, kind of the, the irk because you know what it could be. And it's, a you know, it's a little ears. It's like you, you're, you're killing these critters. You want the fur is what you're killing them for. Like you want to get the absolute most out of them. It's no different than on a meat animal, you know, wait, it's like wasting. Yeah. You don't shoot them in the rear hams. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so yeah. So, but yeah, man, those, those classes, I try and stress that I say, you're not going to remember everything I do, but these important concepts, you know, if you, if you, you, 
And I'm like, try everybody's ways, but remember certain things. There's certain things that can save you time and make you a lot yeah, of money. Make you a lot of money. And so, uh, so yeah, and I, t- I try to tell people all the time, even on those you know stinky coyotes or, or fox, I'm like, I, I would recommend putting all of it up for taxidermy just to get the practice. Oh, definitely. On skin, yep. you know, like skin and feet. If you get good at skin and fox and coyote feet without cutting them, like a wolf foot's easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huge and easy. Yeah. So, yep. Kind of so. like I think, you know, putting up bears is easier than wolves. Yep. Aside from, you know, a really big bear horsing them around the flesh <laughs> yeah. and beam. Yeah. But those, those stinking wolves, I think... Oh, they're just, you get some of them that go easy and some of them you got to yeah. fight them and fight yep. them to get them. And I'm, I'm just under the, under the unwritten rules. If I catch something alive in a trap or it's unthawed, I skin it that night. I don't yeah. let it freeze. It's just another risk you're taking freezing and thawing on getting green belly and getting some slippage. So it yeah. doesn't matter what time I get, if I get home or get to the cabin and I got six wolves, I'm skinning all six of them wolves yeah. before I go to bed. And I'll, I might roll them up and throw them outside in the, in the snow, yeah. but I'm getting them out of that carcass. And that's another so. big, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I tend, you know, smaller stuff like cats or fox, I tend to like to let them freeze because when they, they're, they thaw out quickly. Yeah. And, you know, you are taking a little bit of risk. This yep. is just me personally. Uh-huh. Um, they aren't near as bloody once you've let them freeze, but a wolf, if you can get them peeled while they're, before yeah. they freeze, oh, yeah. cause you know, thawing out, <laughs> you know, you've done a ton of them, man. It, it can take oh. two, three, four days to yeah. get a wolf thawed yep. out enough, enough yeah. to skin them. And in that time, you know, your feet and all your sensitive areas that you really yep. don't want to go bad thaw almost immediately. Yep. So it's, you're just fighting the clock. Now, have you ever put it in a bathtub or in a tub of water? I never have. I've heard of guys that would chop, you know, in um, remote places and chop holes in the ice and submerge them in a river or something because that water, even though it's it's yeah. cold, it's yeah. way it's above freezing and it conducts heat so much better that it, you know, it'll thaw them out. But I have heard of guys. I try if I can avoid it. I try to keep from getting getting wolf hides wet. Cause they're, then they're such a pain in the ass to freaking dry <laughs> yeah, out. Yep. You got to really babysit them. It yep. seems like on the stretcher. Yep. And I started using a fan a lot on mine. So at the cabin, if I have anything that's thawed out, like I said, I'll skin them. And, and a lot of times I'll flesh. I got a, a fur shed out there so that it, that wasn't up when you were there. No. I don't think. And so I built a real nice fur shed out there. I still skin in the cabin, but I flesh out there in the fur shed. And then I've got boards out there, but yeah. You know, it takes a while for a wolf on a board mm-hmm. and uh, before you can turn it and, and before yep. you can pull it off. So so I usually brought everything back to town with me and then I, I put it on the boards here at the shop. Yeah. And I was messing around with a, a fan. Jim Massick told me that trick too. Uh, use a fan on him. Well, you could turn a wolf, if you fleshed it proper, you could yeah. turn a wolf in two hours, uh, skin side to the end. Huh. You know, and first side out um if as long as you did your ears and your lips and everything your lips yeah. were the it seemed like the lips were the last thing to to, to dry. dry on them so but the way i do my boards when you turn them around you just have that fan i live leave the fan on them even when they're turned first side out but i just put it on the underside so it's going up Blowing up the hide up the front legs and up on the, the face yeah so, i do that quite a bit and i guess for you know if if you know, listeners, if you're not familiar with what we're basic, 
method for putting up these hides. And what we're talking about is you have this big stretcher board to stretch your hide out and dry it, air dry it. You'll put it on, you'll put that hide on the board inside out first and let it dry a bit, you know, a, a certain bit. And then you pop, when it's ready, you pop it off and turn it right side out, put it back on the board so it can finish drying is what we're yeah. talking yeah. about. And there's the whole, you know, bunch of little tricks, but yeah, I, I don't usually, I think put fans on them when they're inside out, but a lot of times once I turn them all, yeah. I'll direct a fan to blow yep. up in there. And I usually just room temperature will leave mine yeah, 12, 14 hours or so. and then. So have you ever turn. tried uh, freeze-drying freeze, freeze drying outside? I haven't, mostly because with most a lot of the fur I'm putting up, I'm just oh, trying to get done get and done. out. Yep. So I know a lot of guys that do it, and I did it with a Wolverine uh, last year. And then when I brought it in, uh, it the, the hides are way thicker. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, huh. But... Anyway, the Wolverine that I did, I didn't do it long enough, or we weren't cold enough. Did it, did it get uh, it softened back up? It once softened you brought it back, back up inside. when I brought it back in the head. Yeah, and so I ended up putting it back on the board, um, and the fan back on yeah. it because I was a little nervous. But yeah, so. those and those Wolverines are kind of ones. Yeah, they're a pain too because they Wolverines have a very thick hide yep. for their body yep. size, which is great for fleshing them. You yep. know, they're they're mm-hmm. kind of tough to flush but if you you leave enough on there you can get yeah. them flush nice and clean but they're uh that thick hide their heads dry out really slow yep. but and you want to turn them before <laughs> while you can still turn yeah. them you know otherwise yeah. it's just a nightmare yeah but uh and i've done a lot now um because most of my wolves um i tan before i sell them yeah so because i sell most of mine out of my house and then i sell them to hunters mm-hmm. when i'm guiding but uh, unless you want to do uh, the end of the year, end of the season picture, yeah, then it there's no reason to turn them. Oh yeah, that's so true. Yeah. it's just another risk you're doing. So a lot of times I'll send them down to Moily's uh, mink tannery down there in Idaho, and they'll be uh, skin out instead of fur out. Yeah, and that's and that's not you know sometimes on, a lot of times on wolves that you know, that Bill's already paid for or graded, I'll just leave them inside out because that is a, you know, when you turn them back right side out, if, you know, say certain parts of the ear aren't dry enough and they, or the feet collapse back on, Uh on itself, you can still get slippage. Yep. Um, typically, you know, we talk about turning them right side out. It's to sell it, you know, as you're selling raw fur that you have to, you know, your buyer has to be able to grade it, except for what is it? Otters, otter, mink, and beaver. Well, I guess beavers don't. Yeah, skin, but yeah, um, yeah. Otters and mink, they want um, and skin side and yep. muskrat skin side out. They're looking at the prime of the hide itself, and then the damage on the hide. They know. Yeah. They know by looking at the hide what the fur looks like. So, yep. and a lot of those furs they die, so it doesn't really matter what the fur looks like. Yeah. So now, when we do ours that we sell at the trappers auction the ata auction here in in uh march when we do otters and mink a lot of that stuff goes to our our uh, sowers mm-hmm. and, and native sowers and then and other sowers they want to see the fur so we'll f- we'll flip them not yeah it'll be fur out not their tr- 
traditional way. And then our tourists, if they want to buy an otter or a mink or a muskrat, they don't care what the hair, the leather looks like. Yeah. They want to see the hide. Yep. So, so we'll do, you know, where one guy's got a, a lot bigger like that, you know, that's a huge, huge otter there. And somebody will have one that's that big, but turned skin side out. So leather's out. Yeah. And wanting 150 bucks, and they can't get it. And then I'll have one that's hair half side this out. side, hair side out, and I'll sell it for 200 bucks. Yep. You know, so it's... It reminds uh, me of one, um, actually, a pair Bill got in, uh, it was a few years ago, a pair of albino otters that the guy caught, you know, the same day. You know, they're obviously running in the same group and just froze them whole. Uh, thank goodness yeah, he knew yeah. and froze them whole, sent them in, and... Because, I don't know, Bill didn't really have the market for it. So I just traded, you know, I oh, traded man. him wolf skinning for those two otters. And I I put one up for taxidermy and kept the other one in the freezer. And I sold that one. It was, and I turned it hair side out and skinned the feet. just looked pretty. And I think I sold that for six or 700 bucks. And then I trade, you know, I, I traded the other one to a taxidermist. Yep. Just whole. He wanted it whole. Yep. But oh, just some neat stuff. You get to see in that, you know, we got a blue, a blue links in one time. Uh-huh. And so Bill calls up the guy. Do you have the feet? Cause he chopped the feet off, you know, just put them up for, or skin, <laughs> yeah. put them up for yeah. fur. He's like, do you have the feet? Do you have the carcass still? You know, hoping he still had the carcass outside <laughs> and he could skin the feet and, yeah. you know, repair the thing. Cause it was, you know, comes in the pile and said, you know, anything to notice anything different about that cat? And there's not a solid black hair in the yeah. whole thing, yep. and uh, <laughs> you know, no feet. So it would have been like a, you know, oh, yeah. five, six, seven hundred dollar oh, cat yeah. for taxidermy. Yep. Mm-hmm. But uh, it yeah, was, I've never seen. And one. then it, you know, put up like that, it wasn't even worth what the fur market cats no. are no. worth because uh-huh. it's it's different. It's not yep. in that grade. Fine, I think he got it tan. He ended up giving it to me because I was the only one that appreciated yeah. it. Yep. But. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, going back to fur handling, man, I, I try to tell people, practice on the stuff that doesn't matter so that when you get your first wolf or, yeah. Yeah. you know, or, or unique critter that you can, you're not lost. And if you really don't know what you're doing and you get something like that, just call someone. That knows yeah. Out. Yeah. I know several trappers that don't, uh, we call them gentlemen trappers. They don't put up their own fur. They pay somebody else to put all their fur up. Well, we don't make a lot of money anyway. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age with the market and, and fuel prices and equipment prices, we don't make that much money anyway. Yeah. So now you, you're you taking that and giving it to somebody yeah. else. We're giving it to you. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah. And so. it's funny. I mean, I, I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, you know, especially if it's getting towards spring and I'm getting sick of skin and I'll, ah, these guys can put up their own fur, yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm like, well, they're paying me to do it so yeah. you know I, yep. I i always try to like if anybody wants to know how to do this stuff i'm more than happy to show them yeah. but i also Bring a knife and get over here yeah there is a <laughs> uh there is an advantage to being having a limited or a uh, a skill set that's in demand yeah definitely yep and that goes so. for big game stuff too yep. you know well I, you look at how many people are out there that are looking for a cape yeah because they didn't know how to take that cape off yep so that or or how many it's the same thing you know guys paying me you know 30 bucks a foot for 
putting up bears. Yeah. You know, it's, and when it really, it's not that difficult. I don't know. I, I, and I've always enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. Well, and you got good bait. I got good bait. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Never short of trapping bait. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, putting, you know, doing your own big game and stuff can be, it can both save you money. And I think it's kind of fulfilling. I've always enjoyed being able to do more of that process you yeah, know you, you yeah. cut your own meat and yep. prep your own capes and stuff like that it's now i guided a doctor one time and it wasn't really fun because we pretty much did an autopsy on the on the moose and oh yeah that, that I was, you know we got some time to, to to kill here working not doing an autopsy yeah. so let's just uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put the brain back in in the back door there and let's let's get to cutting so. yeah <laughs> yeah that's funny surgery. we're not going to bring it back yeah so. i think sometimes it's uh some folks don't don't get the same urgency for yeah. like we got to take care of this yeah, thing it's gonna you know, get dark quick. thinking ahead i mean my cheap this year i was lucky because i was able to set up my tent well i knew i was able to set up my tent like 50 yards from where he fell yeah which is the first time that's ever happened normally it's especially on afternoon sheep it's better get this thing cut up and thrown back in the pack because yeah. i got a three or four oh, yeah. or five hour trip yeah. in the dark back to camp yeah this ain't gonna be fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you see the picture of mine on the picnic table this year I don't think I did. So my last sheep hunter, we hunted hard, good hunter, and hunted hard deep in the mountains. And it was September, so we had snow up in yeah. the mountains. And and we went back up into this draw that we'd been by many times, and I'd never went up it. It was too close to the cabin. I didn't yeah. think there was any sheep in it. And, and we went up there. There was 30 ewes and lambs and two rams. And one round is legal. He misses it. So we're coming out kind of with our heads down. And we get back to the rhinos, which are out on the main river, <laughs> and happen to look up. And there's two rams out on the outside face overlooking the river. Oh, geez. And so I had a young guide working with me. And he says, those are both rams. And I was like, well, are they legal? And and I, I didn't think they were legal. And yeah. He's like, well, I don't know. So we went and looked at them. And we're about... 800 yards i think from them so we're looking at in the scope and i was like well let's just try and get closer and they're laying down chewing their cud overlooking the valley and we ended up walking through the willows why in the wide open to 320 yards from them jeez straight below them yeah and we aged the ram at eight and which is something i don't that's the first one I've ever done it, and it's, I'd never do it again. It's um, nerve-wracking. Yeah. It, I knew this ram was something something special just because he was so deep in the curl. Yeah. And he was 38 and a half inches. Yeah, that's and, a big one. And, but not even close to full curl. Yeah. and But his, he came down by his chin, and... But he just, he was something special, and we counted eight, and, and actually the young guy thought he got nine out of them, but anyway, I was like, all right, let's shoot him. So we shot him, and... And he's like, well, all of our stuff's back at the rhinos because we didn't think these were going to be legal. Oh, yeah. So I says, well, I'll tell you what. I says, I'm just going to go up there and drag that down, down to us here. Yeah. Gravity's our friend. Yeah. Anyway, he's like, well, no, I want a picture. So we went back to the rhinos, brought them over pretty close, and then went up there, took some pictures, and then I pretty much drug this rhino or rode it, or this uh, this sheep to the base of the hill Yeah. where we loaded it in the rhino. <laughs> Brought it back to the cabin and took some pictures and then full body, life-size skinned it right on the picnic table, Jeez. gutted it, <laughs> cut it in half, gutted it into a garbage bag. And I mean, it was so nice. Uh, 
oh, right in front of the man. cabin, got music playing a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the only thing I didn't do is I had a scale right there. I could have weighed. Oh, weighed him live weight. Live weight, and I didn't do it. I was mad. Yeah. But so yeah, it was pretty neat to to be able to do it sitting down at a picnic table. I got the whole sheep right up on the picnic table, and oh uh, jeez, <laughs> man, it's like stuff like that. It's funny because I'm you. You know, if it was me, I'd feel a little like I'd cheated. <laughs> But at the same time, you just revel in it, too. The one last year, though, that you had to work your butt off for, yeah. you know, that it makes up for it. So. Well, and even, you know, like the this one this year, it was, I'd never had that happen before, you know, or long story, you know, everybody's yeah. walk up in the saddle, sit down, get ready to go glass, and these rams walk around the corner, yeah. hey. see me, and lay down at 100 <laughs> yards, and then have to wait, you know, mine eventually pops over, and I have to wait two hours for him to stand up and shoot him, Yeah, and he doesn't roll, just plops right there and i got a nice big flat rock that's like a tape you know the back side of it i can get down below it and it's right at like waist height yeah so i can debone everything there and i knew you know the weather was nice that evening and i knew i had a great spot to set the camp set up camp 50 yards yep. away i didn't even bring my whole backpack to the sheep <laughs> i just dropped it right there and grabbed my kill kit yeah and, and but yeah there i don't know it was just it's like how when is that going to happen again there's no stock you know, yeah, I just yep. I just make a, a blind climb to get up, yeah, to get on that ridge so I could move farther down it, and there they are, and drop him right there, just be able to leisurely. Yeah, I just I was definitely soaking it up. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, well, but, I mean, uh, you got them hunts that are really hard, and then an easy one's not that bad now and then. So yeah, deserve it if you put enough time in. So, but that hunter, I think we did eight days. And, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you how many miles we put on foot and, you know, just covering country. Yeah. And then we shoot this a mile from the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, those one, I, I don't know what to think about them. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty neat yeah. though. When that, when you're occasionally gifted one, yeah, you know, heck, my yeah. uncle had one that he was years ago and he had, uh, it had been, had back, bad back problems for years and, you know, pretty much had, had the say you know except that he was done sheep hunting he ended up getting a shooting a sheep off his four-wheeler basically just a random <laughs> thing he happened oh, to have yeah. a sheep tag yeah and was able to back his four-wheeler right up to it and throw it on and huh. and haul it out whole it's just you don't see that very often nope. with sheep i mean this you know this caribou war zone hunt we did that was yeah i'll have to admit that was pretty nice it was uh, i didn't walk 50 yards all day <laughs> Yeah. You know, we kind of got in position, waited, shot him, rode up to him, yanked the guts out and tie him up and drag him out. But, uh, yeah, like we we're talking, I'm, I'm a, now, now that I got my band, so I'm a fan of, of hauling, hauling stuff out whole yeah. if I can. Heck yeah. Yeah. That was a good thing about the winter hunt. You know, I, I don't really like the winter hunts, but, uh, you know, when you can throw a whole animal in your sled yeah got it and bring that thing out the meat's so clean yeah you know cool and so yeah that's pretty nice so and then you're not leaving that you can haul all that back to the house for bait oh yeah you're not leaving it out there like you do in the fall I'm yeah i've been hunting in my trapping area so <laughs> yeah yeah but. and i think you end up just getting a little bit better yield on oh, your yeah, meat definitely yep. you know that's mm -hmm. uh so whatever you know just not having stuff rolling around the dirt that yeah. irks me too is I, every time I see video or anything, guys, you know, taking an animal and they throw the quarter on the ground, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, even up there sheep hunting or something, I'm just paranoid. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, if a, if a rock is nice and clean yeah. yep. and you just get a little bit of lichen on it, you know, yep. that's one thing, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I, you know, I had guys tell me, well, you're going to skin it anyway. Cause you're going to hang it. And yeah. It's going to, you'll just skin that, fillet it off, you know, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yes. So. I mean, sometimes I guess there was one moose I got that I shot him at last light. With my it was the first one I killed with my bow. I was by myself. I remember that. Yeah, with that your boat. Was, that was a shit yeah. show. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know, got it had it all perfectly clean and you know tarped and bagged and go over there the first thing in the morning and I, I think it was a black bear had yeah. drugged my quarters all around <laughs> in the dirt and ripped off all the game bags yeah. and oh I was so pissed but we we ended up not you know aside from just trimming yeah yeah but so there's I don't know you could go either way on mm-hmm. that but. I think the cleaner you yep. can keep oh, it, the definitely. better. Yep. So. But, uh, yeah, and then I guess we, you know, when we're on trapping thing, you are the guy who, who makes the Alaskan number nines. I am. The, uh, you'd probably say they're the best wolf trap in the world, huh? I do, but they're <laughs> only as good as the trapper setting them. That is you know, very true. They, they, they are a great trap, and, and I actually went down and did a wolf seminar down there and at the National Trappers Association uh western regional in montana this yeah year. so it was kind of nice i was just going down just to, to see it because mm-hmm. uh, i've never been to one and and go to see the big show and and they asked if i'd do it so i was like yeah so i brought some nines down and i brought uh my computer with a bunch of pictures and so we talked about them you know well these guys are catching wolves down there you know they're coyote trappers and they're catching and holding the wolf yeah well they got a 24-hour trap trap check for one mm-hmm and yeah, you're going to hold them. We got the Collins t- sisters up here held one in a number one on a Martin pole. Yeah. You know, it, they're just like people. Yeah. Everybody's not the same. Wolves are that way too. Some mm-hmm. of them are tougher. Some of them, you're going to hold them by a toenail and they're going to sit there and whimper. You know, other ones are going to pull that steak out or they're going to eat that trap and spit it out. Yeah. But yeah, so we talked about it down there and in, in our conditions up here where we got trapping snow and we've got freezing and thawing now, which we didn't have years ago Yeah, during the season. You know, that, that frost is coming up from the bottom. That trap is the best. Yeah. We've got, I, I think it's got the strongest springs out of any of them. But that pan that's being so high, which everybody doesn't like, is the reason that the, trap works so well in this condition. And that's, I assume, because you have enough space underneath it that it's that frost coming up from yep. the bottom, even though you got wax paper underneath yep. them and on top, it still comes up. And that MB750, which is a great trap, I've caught a lot of wolves in them too, but there's no room under that pan being yeah. so low that... With those, you know, and I and I like those for certain things Definitely. as well. Yeah. Um, and I've caught wolves in them. And oh, yeah. if, you, yeah. you, if you get them, it's going to yeah, hold them. But uh, they it's almost like what's awesome about them is their weakness too. And they, is they hide so well, they're so 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 low and flat. Yep. So Um, thin, you know, I think that they, you know, I like trying to, you know, grant, I don't catch near the wolves that you or a lot of other guys do, but I like using them for sets that are not going to be disturbed or if there's some type of sheltered set, Mm -hmm. because you know, whether it's frost, freeze thaw, or you get, much snow on those at all and they just don't have the the spread or power yeah. to really get yep. a good grab on on a wolf foot yep i um, use them a lot the mb750 um from minnesota i use them a lot in what i call a catch-all set so i'll, I'll got a set that 
I'm going to put in for lynx or coyote or wolverine, mm-hmm. but there's a chance a wolf's going to get into it. Yeah. Then, and when I say a chance, I mean, there's a chance anywhere a wolf could get in it. But if there's a set that's not just like an open lynx cubby that a very seldom will a wolf ever go into that. Mm-hmm. They got to be hungry. It's got to be a yeah. pup. But if I've got uh, a set that on the corner of a river where the wolves are going to come frequent a lot yeah and i i got a chance that there a wolf's gonna set then i'll put a mb750 there yeah and and that works because the uh the number nine alaskan does not it's not a good coyote lynx or wolverine trap it's aggressive even though it's got that three-eighths offset it's it's gonna break some bones yeah and a wolverine you know i've caught and held them it but it'll break their leg and then they there's the jaw is so tall they can get their whole head underneath that and chew their foot off yeah and if they can do that they're gone so but yeah it uh it's in my opinion it's the best wolf trap going so. yeah and you know you mentioned that um a lot of i think it's you know kind of an important side note that you you each set tar- generally targets a specific type of thing and you can i mean there's different size traps for a different reason. If yeah. a number, you know, yep. you know, and you kind of target, you can target animals pretty effectively with different types of sets yep. and you use the appropriate trap form. You know, you don't get a lot yeah. of chew, you know, you, yep. you yeah. know the, the animal chewing their foot off is like the most common thing that generally like and, and pretty not, rare <laughs> and not chewing their foot off. Uh, a Wolverine, if anything, will chew its foot off. Yeah, uh, but the rest of them generally won't. No, so I've—I mean, that's—I've never seen anything but a wolverine chew on its own foot myself that I can think of. I think a wolf—I had a wolf one time that chewed on it. Yeah, chewed on its foot. So, and it was a, a big female. She was chewing on the trap. Yeah, and then the foot might have froze at that time, and she couldn't feel it and anymore. She couldn't feel it, but she chewed on her foot a little bit. So, but yeah. But it was kind of funny to to go down there when I was in Montana, get, getting to talk to all those guys, and and that's something uh, on Facebook or or Trapper Man, which I have a nice journal on that I've had for quite a few years. And so you get to know these people, just like we were talking on Facebook. You know a bunch of people you've never met them, yeah. never shook their hands, but you consider them friends. Yeah. So I had this following down there that it was pretty neat. We'd talk and exchange, you know, different ways in trapping and hunting, and and. Uh, and then to go down there and, and shake a hand and have a beer with them and 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 get to talk to them and show them show them pictures on the computer and and uh, but and then to hear a lot of them, you know, I've caught wolves, you know, in a number three. Why would I spend one hundred and forty five dollars on your trap? And and so yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> but in in Alaska, everybody starts out with seven fifties because they're cheap. Yeah, and then when you become more proficient as of a wolf trapper, you're going to educate a lot more wolves with that seven fifty because it was froze down. Yeah, they stepped on it, and when they picked their trap up, it fired. Yeah, and it didn't even pinch them; it just scared the heck out of them. Yeah, and then they ran off. So now, now you've educated them to that set, and they're probably. I, I'm going to give the coyote a little more credit. I think the coyotes are a little bit smarter than the wolves. Yeah, um, but once you educate them. They're a family orientated as a pack member, so they teach the rest of the pack to avoid that stuff. Because so, yeah. I mean, uh, and you watch how those wolves travel 
in the winter it's in the same tracks and you know so and they'll they'll pick up on the littlest things and once you educate them on it the whole pack will remember those so they'll come and they'll see one piece of flagging and they get off the trail which you can use to your advantage yeah but and then just little things little like smells or if you've got a traditional set that you make where you do a fish hook set where you come off the trail and and do a hook and then come back well they won't fall for that anymore. Yeah. Once you've educated them, they just get that smart until you eliminate that pack and then get some new ones, new ones to move <laughs> yeah. in there. So, but once you've educated them, then it's it's pretty tough because they've seen seen the best what you've got. So you've got yeah. to, you've got to change your ways now. So. Which wasn't wasn't uh, was it Masick who was uh, who had them stinking wool? He and that guy's so good. At- <laughs> just basically a legendary wolf trapper yeah um had those wolves so freaking spooked that they wouldn't run on his snow machine trails and so he would slide traps under the snow into their tracks off the side of the trails Mm -hmm. and then still catch them what was it a few years ago he had that that um i think was because i heard it through bill I think was he had like a pack of twenty three wolves and he caught nineteen of them or whatever oh, yeah, or twenty one yeah. of them by the yeah. end of the season. Yeah, no, last year he caught. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, he caught twenty five last year. You know. Yeah. And, but and uh, we were just talking about that at the school, um, thinking about how hard you work when you're out there in the field. Well, I don't. I'm kind of a lazy trapper. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I don't work too hard at it. Um. It's it's beautiful country where I'm at, and I've got beautiful fur. I, I'm just I'm blessed out there where I'm at. But I carry that camera, and I spend too much time taking yeah. pictures and sightseeing. <laughs> I still put fur on the stretcher. Yep. But I would put a lot more fur on that stretcher if I left them cameras at home. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not why I'm out there. I'm out there to harvest wolves, which are my competition for the moose and the sheep and the caribou that I eat. Yep. So the coyotes, the 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 coyotes I, I put a little hurt on them too but the uh the rest of the stuff i don't trap them very hard because they're not my competition yeah so and if the price of furs up then i'll work a little harder on them mm-hmm. but for the wolves um a lot of people think you know i took 12 wolves one year and they think i i wiped them out well i trapped four different packs i, I, I yeah. had the opportunity to trap four different packs i didn't even make a dent in them mm-hmm. so um this year i'm gonna i'm gonna change that a little bit i'm gonna work a little bit harder on the wolves yeah uh, but i'm out there because i love doing oh I yeah love being there i mean it's i i feel so blessed to be out there doing what alaska was bought for we Mm -hmm. bought alaska from russia for the fur yeah a lot of people don't realize that we didn't know about oil back then you know i mean that wasn't it was fur oh yeah well that's that's was russia's exploitation of it was the fur yeah and that's a renewable resource and yeah absolutely and especially stuff well as far as wolves go i think i read a study where they figured and kind of as a side note too you see the the parkies the park service down in denali every time coke wallace wax <laughs> wax gets a good jag of them caught you know freaking out oh, oh, yeah. all the wool you know that people understand like and it was a study so i think they said you had to kill like 70 percent of a population of wolves 
And it's see. similar with coyotes in, in a general area for several years in a row to, to have a, vi- a visible impact yes. on them. Yeah. And you could see that with the 40 mile country. Yep. I mean, what is fishing, you know, and it's helped the caribou out because yeah. it's all during cabins. It saves them during cabin season yep. when they'll go in and, you know, between the state and private guys, you know, kill yep. 150, 200, yep. 350 wolves a, a winter. And there's just as many wolves now as when they started years ago. Well, the ago. bad thing is now they shut us down, so we cannot aerial wolf hunt. Oh, the private guys can't. No. Nope. Huh? And so now uh, that's you, all closed up there, and they want us for five years, they want to oh, see if I we heard made a difference. See about well, that. So, okay, so now they're just going to let the caribou get hammered on again, for a few years. The will blow right back up because that, that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is the predator populations grow with the food source yep so when our moose populations were way down the wolves are way down because they run out of food they don't have big enough litters they don't have big litters and i seen that as a kid when i was 12 years old in north dakota Mm -hmm. when the price of fox uh when the price of fur kind of dropped in the late 80s everybody kind of quit quit trapping down there yeah and the fox were having huge litters when the harder you trapped them you'd have six to nine in the litters yeah and then when everybody quit trapping then they went to three to five in their litters they just they know and that's how that's how the wolves and the coyotes and everybody else operate and it's uh you know and i've heard part of that as far as the as intensively as they've been airplane in them it it helps because you get that chunk of them out right before calving yep but if it actually helps or does not negatively affect the overall wolf population, because what that does, it'll, you know, you go blast a few out of a pack, it disperses these packs, and then they form new breeding pairs, yeah. supposedly yeah. is what I've heard. Yeah. I hadn't really heard too much on the litter size, but yeah, yeah I, I think I did. Now that you mentioned, I heard that they were going to, oh, well, let's quit shooting yeah, them and for see, five years, see what we'll happens. See if it made a difference. <laughs> well, you knuckleheads, what do you think? <laughs> so, yeah, but, so. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, cats is another big one. The the lynx are kind of on their upswing and it's a renewable, it's a, a resource that, you know, like when cats are on their upswing, you might as well do everything you can to catch every single cat yeah. you can because you're not going to get them all. And nope. in a few years, they're going to starve to death. Yeah. Well, they'll eat, they're cannibalistic. They'll yep. eat each other. So them big toms lead everybody else. When they can't eat rabbits, they'll eat their babies and the moms. And yep, and that's so, I noticed that on low years. Yep, you know the yep. few cats you do catch are almost always big fat toms. Yep, yep. So yeah, and we talked about that earlier. I I don't uh, I don't have many cats, so so I don't try very hard for them, and I'll I'll, I'll pick up a few of them now and then, but so, but. Yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah, we kind of drifted off the off the number nines. I oh. <laughs> uh, that's no big deal. That's kind of what this is all about. But uh, um, you're that, following a drifter right now. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm a drifter myself. So yeah, at least yeah, at least you got the same, got the shoes, same on shoes on today. today so and my pants are on right. <laughs> kind so. of an inside joke there, but uh, we um, those number nines there. They're right at nine inches in yep. diameter, aren't yep. they? It's the largest like legal yep. trap, and they, I mean, having gone through this gamut, and I've got a mixed bag of traps myself. They definitely are the best performing. I mean, the the fastest, best performing wolf traps I've seen. I mean, I've got a couple of. I haven't caught a wolf yet or pinched one in one of those Bridger number nines. 
They just seem like a slow trap, though. Yeah, they've got a huge jaw spread on them, too. Uh, but the bad thing is there's a few guys that caught wolves in them, and they, with that exposed spring right there. Can they get a hold of that? They can get a hold of that, and they can break it. People, uh, they, they underestimate the power of a wolf. I mean, they're just, especially one that does not want to, you know, some oh, of them, it's yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's so, like you hang yep. them up right oh, away. Yeah, some and of them will lay right down and yeah, you know, but yeah, that, uh, I've seen a couple with the springs broke and the, the cool thing is being a trap builder, uh, those springs with no cover on them, they come through the snow quicker. Yeah. But their springs aren't big enough. For, so, yeah. you know, to make it fast. Yeah. So. It's but uh, it's less less surface area to come through the snow and ice, and I mean that's something that we've had to deal with now for several years with this quote unquote global warming we've got going. So, but I mean I've got sets that uh, I don't know if I had that set when you were with me out of my trap lineup, P-Post Pass. I that's, don't remember. That's probably my it's most been so long, famous, famous. Yeah, you've set. hung up quite I've, a few. Yeah, I, I catch one to one to four there every year, and. And uh, it's in gravel, so I bet it year-round in gravel. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've had it where I've been beating on it with my axe. I could stand on it and not mm-hmm. trip that number Man. nine. <laughs> but just got, you know, we get that February rain or yeah. whatever it is. and That rain's the worst. So, oh, but, and puts all your snares on it. And it seems like, they, and, seems like they always come through yeah. <laughs> on one yeah. of those worm spells, too. But, yeah, I think the only... Because I, I set them occasionally because I want to see, you know, yeah. what the heck it'll do. I I did catch a red fox in a blind trail set one time up at the shoulder. I caught him right at the shoulder, and it was one of the padded <laughs> ones. Well, so this, you know, story, I'm riding up my trail, and it's warm and, you know, above freezing. And I'm riding up my trail, and wolves get on the trail, and my heart starts pounding. I'm like, I got a gang set. You know, I didn't. It's all dead burned timber so yep. i had is all footholds yep but i had two in the trail two trail sets and then you know scattered around there I'd, in my mind i built this set thinking all right i'm gonna hang up one in the trail and they're gonna scatter and mill around and you know I had piss set here and yep. you know just blind sets around anyway get up there and there's a red fox bouncing kind of in this trap up held him by his shoulder and it was one of the rubber jawed ones yeah. yep and uh I'm like shit, they did, did. They didn't even kill him. Like it uh-huh. spooked him. Oh yeah, definitely. And I look up, and I got a black one hung up farther up the trail. And uh, I'm like, well, why didn't they kill this fox? And I go up and beat down with wolf tracks all around him. And I go to you know to dispatch him, and he ain't got no front legs. Like the wolves had, and when I skinned him, I could see one bruised. You could see the tooth marks on his neck where it didn't even break the skin. One of them grabbed him by the neck and stretched him out. And the other ones chewed off his one leg at the trap jaw. And then his other leg right at the elbow just chewed his front legs off and left him there alive. Cruel. Cruel. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, man, there was some some thought put into this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those, uh, that's my only only catching a Bridger number nine. I did have uh did he spring that last year? Cause last year I had this single and I think I, he must've been dumb cause I caught him. I'm pretty sure it's the same one. I caught him two nights after he came through and had got a dump of snow and he sprung a, a trail set blind set and a, and a piss set. But this bush that this pack had been pissing on, 
they'd kind of step off the trail into it and step over one way. You know, I'm trying to describe this, but they'd step off the trail. They had a pattern where they were moving through there and pissing on this bush. And I had a trap on each side of it where they were stepping in their tracks. And he sprung the one by the river, uh, Alaska number nine. Then he came down the trail and sprung that bridger. And then, and I'm unraveling this backwards because I ride in on the trail he ran out on. Yeah. And I don't know why I was hoping I would have him hung up back there when he's going the opposite direction. But it started making sense because for about a mile and a half or however long he was on that trail, after he sprung those sets, every time he'd stop and take a piss, he scratched the snow off down to the ground in about a three-foot circle. Like he really he was looking for traps or, <laughs> or what, but he, uh, and, uh, anyway, I reset everything. And then like two, I think it was that night I had, I find doing the math. It was that night I had to have hung him up in the one set that didn't spring, huh. you know, but that guy talk about one that he drove, I had a 15 foot of chain and a grapple and it's not a lot of dense stuff i think it's because the snow was so deep and crusted that yeah that grapple wasn't getting hanging up low on anything because yeah. normally you know and kind of another info thing a lot of guys you don't always have good stuff to anchor your trap to either you know you anchor a lot of them in the ice yeah. don't you your yep. chains in the ice yeah. or a big green tree yeah or something if you can but a lot or of a times stake. i'll drive a stake a, yeah frozen uh, ground yeah um a lot of sometimes you know you don't have a good anchor so drags whether it's a log drag or a grapple drag with enough chain on it and basically what you just want that grapple to do is hang up on something and then that wolf wraps that around a tree yeah and then they're and a lot of people use them i i just started using them and i think i've only caught one wolf with a grapple i just don't i'm not big on them myself well this one uh, this one went like almost half a mile yeah So, and that's the reason, you know, you get a big blow that comes in there and, and covers all yep. that tracks. Well, I got some country out there that's pretty open across them fields. Oh yeah. You'd never, it, oh, I mean, you could, well, and anyway, that's what happens. But a lot of people, the reason for you that don't know about grapples, a lot of people use them cause it gets them off the trail Yep, and it, it'll save your set. So generally when you catch a wolf or you catch anything, I can't say that, but you catch a wolf the chances of you catching another wolf in that exact set are pretty slim if there is a major disturbance. And if you catch a wolf, there's going to be a major disturbance. He's yeah. going to dig all the snow right down to bare ground. He's going to eat every tree as far as he can reach. Um, yep. And so you get that grapple. It gets him away from your trail. And if you're on a public trail where there's a lot of people. You get your gets them, stuff stolen. Yeah, or... and it gets them off the trail so people don't see them. Some yep. people are offended by trapping, and or other people are going to steal your trap and your wolf. And yep. So anyway, but I just personally don't really like them. And the reason is if they get away. And it does take extra time to hunt them down sometimes. I mean, yep. you know, that people... one that one I never expected to make it that far. Yeah. I figured, all right, he's going to be... And a lot of them that I've caught in the past on grapples, you know, and burnt Mm -hmm. up there in that burnt timber country, they make it 50 yards. Exactly. You know, and then they hang up and they're just sitting there when you get there. But I used one not, not last year, but the year before I had a guy in Anchorage send me a dozen of them and they were homemade, beautiful. So I put them on a 10 foot chain and 
Shit, I dropped it. You couldn't even pull it on the snow machine trail. It would hook off oh, the snow machine trail wow, and pull you off nice. your feet. So I was like, oh, oh these are going to be awesome. So I set one on a P-post that there was a pair of wolves that came down in front of me. And they peed in a spot where I hadn't put a trap before. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a tree that I could tie to right there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, this is a perfect place for a grapple. So I set a number nine on that P-post, pitched that grapple off the trail, and drive on. Well, it wasn't a set that I'd normally done, so it looked like I'd be able to tell where it is oh, when yeah. I come back, but then it snowed, and now it doesn't look the same. the same. And a lot of times, I put the same trap every year on the same spot. On the same spot. So this ain't... It, it it's not registering with me and after my my chemo it's it's this is difficult yeah so i'm gonna have to at towards the end of the season i'm gonna have to go through there with my axe and and i kind of know the general area where it's at and i'm yeah. just gonna go off off the trail and just cut through with my axe till i hook the chain yeah because i threw 10 foot of chain straight off the yep. trail. but anyway so i drive and if i catch a wolf it's going to be obvious there's going to be a big disturbance yeah so i drive through there and, and I, every time i drive by it i think about it but I haven't found it. So one day I'm, I'm come out and I'm grooming the trail and the trail was pretty rough. So I got out to the river and unhooked my sled, grabbed the groomer and went back to groom it a little bit. And as I'm going back through this area, I catch eyes out in the trees and I just turn my headlight in there. Well, here's this wolf standing back there, 25 yards off the trail. <laughs> so I was like, what the heck? So I shoot it, go back in there. Well, here was that wolf that, that out of set. that set, but it had blown, and that wolf just jumped off the trail, and he made it 25 yards off, hooked up into that tree, and, and I drove right by him two times. Wow. And didn't see him. Wow. So Because normally, yeah, it's a big disturbance. Yeah, and it just, just the way it was, and, and yeah, so I didn't feel real good about it. And, yeah. And so I did try not to use him if I can. Yeah, so. it's in that spot, you know, this one last year, he made it a lot farther than I expected him to, and, you know, Luckily, is another guy I knew that was kind of in the area called me the night before because I said it. Then it was two nights later that he called me, said, "Hey, you got one hung up. We it's in the dark. We can't find him. We don't want to get sweated up." So, yeah. you know, I went out there the next morning and it was blowing good. And it's a good thing I went out out there immediately yeah. because I could still see drag circles where every spot yep. he'd yep. hang up. Yep. But you know. And that's that's the downside of using grapples. Although uh-huh. that's the only one that's really made it, yeah, made yep. it very far. But I, you know, I think if you can, yeah, I know lots of guys that that's all they use. They'd, yeah, they'd never think about spending all that time I do chopping into an ice, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Well, <laughs> so, but but yeah. you know that your your trap ain't gonna go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you so, get a wolf in it, so yeah, but, but yeah. What else? Let's see. So, yeah, you said you were, this was the first time you'd guided sheep in a while, haven't oh, you, yeah. this it's year? Oh, yeah, it's been quite a few years. So, yeah. And I guess the only reason I did it um, is because the guide is out in my trapping area. Yeah. So, it was it was just awesome. And I'd spent all but, for, I quit my job in April and uh, went out there bear hunting. And I spent all but three weeks from april through the end of september out there that's the awesome mountains. so yeah pretty neat 
So, and it, just to be able to guide uh, and to see to see the payoffs of me trapping wolves out there. To see, oh, yeah. to see the sheep. The sheep population was just awesome, and the caribou and the moose. Well, I'm not going to say the moose. The moose was not great. Um, it is now, but uh, they they just weren't there this fall, and I heard a lot of the places it was like that. See, do you think late. that get, has been impacted by a lot of the, you know, those cow seat, you know, those kind of open season on cows they had had for a few years? Yeah, but, I mean, you can see the numbers uh, – the numbers have really came back up. I mean, yeah. we've got really good moose numbers. When I'm out there during trapping season, it's amazing how many yeah. moose I get to see. And yeah. uh, but this fall, for some reason, see the the bulls go to the flats in the summer because mm-hmm. that's where all the cows, you know, all the good food is and stuff. Yeah. And now there's a few residents that stay, but then they kind of migrate out of them flats back into the mountains in the fall. Mm-hmm. So and this year it was just a little bit slow. Yeah, well, that's kind of seems like the general moose yeah. season consensus. So, so, yeah, I didn't feel, you know, as I was a little bit scared at first because we just weren't seeing the numbers. Yeah. And I was seeing good numbers of wolves. I mean, that uh, my one Dry Creek pack, there was 12 in that pack. And uh, I called them in twice. So I was like, oh, man, maybe these guys got them thinned down. But then after season, the moose were steadily coming in there. Yeah. So... So it, I felt a lot better then, but, so, but yeah, that cow, well, when I say cow, it's an antlerless season that we don't even want to go into that. Yeah. So that's like, <laughs> we don't want to talk about the park. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And that, uh, cause I remember it was a few years ago cause you only, I remember you, we had this discussion a few years ago. I don't know. Cause I'm crazy about sheep hunting and, uh-huh. JR's the kind of guy, and I don't think you hadn't killed one, right? And you're like, ah, I'll just take my bow and go, yeah. go up there, kill one. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't, uh, you know, I've guided for him but, and take pictures of him, but I don't, I took one with my bow, and I don't care to ever shoot another one. Yeah. It's just something that, uh, I, I don't know, there's not a lot of meat on them. I'm not all for that it's the best meat in the state, people say that, you know, Um they, uh, they, the only reason they say that's because they work their ass they work so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it, uh, I, yeah, I don't care. I, I, I enjoy them, but they have a hard life and, and, uh, I'd rather, rather shoot and eat a moose. So, yeah. but yeah, so, but it's, it's fun to be out there with them. And I mean, when you're in them sheep mountains, it's, that's a whole new, whole new world. Oh so, yeah, that's for I mean, sure especially if you get some good weather where you can see and i was kind of hoping this year that we'd have some really nasty weather in august and that saves the sheep yeah so um i mean we've seen a lot of sheep this year but we're not seeing big rams you yeah. know we had that couple hard winters um a few years ago yeah i kind of clipped some yeah. of them off so that's that's definitely an issue in in some spots although i know this year in general it seems like i'm hearing of a lot of nice rams getting killed which is you know it's oh well they're not there anymore but at the same time oh there's definitely always going to be a few yeah yeah. but but i didn't see i I think i only seen two of those big you know like 45 inch rams you know you've seen two 45 inch rams (laughs) oh yeah so but no just the giants i was like what are you i I wouldn't tell you if i did see one tyler (laughs) yeah because i'd know where i was and i wouldn't take a picture of it either (laughs) so 
But yeah, but we didn't see, you know, we seen a lot of Rams, but we weren't seeing a lot of good Rams. Yeah. You know? So. Well, it seems like, I don't know, in my experience, and I've only hunted right close to that yeah. country once, so I can't say that yep. much. And I shot one opening day. Um, it seems like no matter where I hunt, it's like you get, it's always, oh man, next year's crop's going to be good. It, th- I, th- I think a lot of, there's a lot of mortality after that seven years old, you know, because it seems Definitely. like you, you know, where we were hunting in the brooks and that got hit really hard yeah. a couple of years ago, but we would see so many ram, like probably 75 rams that were on that yep. right three there. quarter yep. to seven eighths, you know, yep. and for several years in a row, it's like, I think there's just a lot of them. Once they hit seven years old, you know, I don't know if it's because they start breeding hard then or what, because they're, yeah. you know, they're sexually mature at like three, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, most of the deadheads I find are eight or nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know that you're ever going to have a massive amount of mm-hmm. like 10, 10, 11 year old rams. Well, but. I had one of the, one of the locals that hunt, uh, hunt up next to us there this year and I own property with uh, in that little corporation with them guys but they were saying you know we're, we're seeing moose but we're not seeing any of the, any big moose and I says well these guys all had non-res or uh, had uh, any bull tags yeah. for that area and they shot nine bulls that were from 25 to 50 inches yeah and they said, you know, we're not seeing any big bulls, they said well, I was like well why do you think you're not seeing big bulls well I don't know and I was like it's because you shoot them when they're 30 yeah. <laughs> when they're 30 inches, they'll never be 60 inches. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's not a very good trophy area anymore. Um, it used to be. It used to be just just awesome. And then when they did that antlerless hunt, when they came back out there, they shot, uh, they were shooting bulls. Yeah. You know, and I think you were bulls. telling me about that is, you know, they'd get into, because those bulls tend to herd they, up in they the winter. Yard up. And, oh, it was just terrible to see that, you know, and I don't know how many uh, people that I'd seen, you know, they went up and shot just a absolute giant bull, you know, and that deep chested, just huge. I mean, huge. And then it had pedestals, you know, that were three inches and just did a diameter on the side of his head. Yeah. Man, you just shot a giant bull. And and so it took forever for that. Well, and it's still, I don't think it still is recovered. Yeah. So um, when I go out there in the wintertime and I'm trapping, I'll, I'll see lots of them bulls that are that 40 inches. Yeah. You know. Well, 30, and what, 40. I mean, what does it take like five, six years for a uh, bull to really start getting into his prime? I guess at least five. And it's been, you know, it was just a year or two ago that they kind of curtailed the antler, you know, and this is, I don't know enough about the actual science to. Yeah. To say whether the antlerless yeah. hunts were a good thing or a bad thing i don't know yeah. you know i have my personal feelings about it yeah, but definitely. but um it definitely i think may has made a difference in what's around yeah yep so and i don't know we we've got so many more hunters anymore than than you used to you know our equipment's that much better so yeah. we can get our boats are are better our four-wheelers are better yeah. airplanes everybody's flying now you know, you know i've ter- i've talked uh or heard you know, in recent years, you know, some guys over hunting moose on the, the north side of the Alaska range have been getting a lot more competition with oh, yeah. people getting four wheelers yep. yep. over so, in that country. Yeah. Well, that's just, that's, we're getting more people. And so I don't, uh, 
I don't want to take it away from anybody else. You know, I don't, I don't want to have it all to myself, yeah. but you know, so I, I've been blessed and, and spent so much time out in, in actually in that country. When I moved up here in 91, I hunted caribou out in that. Yeah. In the fall, that, that first fall. Well, that's, I mean, well, basically so. your cabin is right there where old, you know, Fred Bear oh, yeah. and Glen yeah. St. Charles yeah. mm-hmm. hunted. Um, yeah. really some pretty legendary oh, country is. yeah there's so much history and you got your there. own slice of it yeah. right there in the middle yeah. of it is, is yeah. really cool so yeah that's there's a lot of history back in there and, and it's uh just to dig into that when i'm out there that's just it's interesting in itself you know oh, not, yeah. not to mention the hunting the trapping and the, and the beautiful scenery and stuff but in the wildlife but just the history that's out there and and uh to dig around and that's pretty neat so you know i think I agree, and I, you know, I find myself in a lot of different places, thinking, "Oh man, you know, I bet um, Frank Glasser like, sat on this oh, rock, yeah, you know, yep. you know, because he was one yep. of those legends." If you haven't yep. read the book Alaska's Wolfman by yep. Jim Reardon, that's a good one. You know, my buddy yep. drew that delta, yep. that delta sheep tag. You know, mm-hmm. went up one of those drainages, and that's like I guarantee yep. he been he yep. been up there, walked in his footsteps. Every yeah. time, you know, so, and yeah, of course he was all over the place. I can't believe he used to, what do you say? It took him three days or to walk from Black Rapids <laughs> over to the Savage River. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I like when he followed the caribou herd just to see where they go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take two dogs and a 90 pound pack or 80 pound pack. And I'm going to follow the caribou herd just to see where they go. And didn't he end up having to carry one of his yeah, dogs because they dog, wouldn't yeah, walk yeah, anymore? Yeah, got hurt. So he had to, and then he came back to town. Gave uh gave it to the vet and and then went back with his other dog and followed it. But he'd build rafts to cross every river and yeah. and uh, him and his dog and yeah. We ain't made like that anymore. No, that so. guy <laughs> just it's really amazing. Uh, um, I mean, just from then he got off the boat, walked from Valdez to Fairbanks yeah. in the winter. Yeah. yeah, and different. My uncle said he rem- kind of remembers him from when he was when he was a kid. He used to hang out in one of the what that. Was it Frontier Sporting Goods uh-huh. or something yep, like that yep. that used to be around? Um, just some just some wild stories, you know, or or that kind of super pack of wolves yeah. you seen up in the White mm-hmm. Mountains that figured you know was the the one the alpha male was the biggest wolf he'd ever seen yeah. or something like that. Just just well, crazy. how about when he was trapping down there out of uh, by the park on the Savage down there, not not having wolves when he started down there. And then them moving in. Yeah. There was no wolves. Yeah. No, never seen a wolf sign. And so, then, you yeah. know, had that, I like reading how he had that wolf dog, that female wolf dog of his, is he, you know, and the, you know, the sled dogs back then aren't these, you know, mangy, skinny uh-huh. little sled. Yeah. They were working yeah. dogs. Yeah. And, working dogs. Yep. And, Not you know, race he, dogs. And yep. he liked having, you know, half wolf dogs. And they, uh, I remember that female, he said, liked to call in wolves uh-huh. for him to shoot. Yep. You know, calling at the cabin and having a pack of twenty some come rolling down the river. The one he shot in the cat or shot and then brought it in the cabin. And when he came back in after he grabbed his rifle and come back in the cabin, it was alive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And uh, there's even you know some stories from him that Jim Reardon wrote. Some of the ones that are in the book and some other ones are in old issues of Outdoor Life magazine. Oh yeah. And there was one of them that I thought was just funny. I think Glasser told him, told Jim Reardon about this. It was a guy, an old timer in Fairbanks or from Fairbanks that had not know where he was trapping, but had his trapping cabin and 
had had to go to town or something. It was late in the winter, and he put all his hides, all his cats and Martin and stuff up in the rafters of his cabin to keep, you know, squirrels or whatever yep. from chew, voles from chewing on them. Went to town, came back, and a wolverine had climbed down his stovepipe, got in his cabin, and ripped all his hides. And this is back when fur was worth uh-huh. a lot. You know, oh, yeah. guys were making yeah. a living. Yep. And he, he said he was so pissed, the way I remember reading it, it read, the way he was so pissed, he made a set on a stump out, you know, staked to a stump out in front of his cabin, caught this wolverine, and didn't even kill it. <laughs> He said he left him there for a few days. Every morning he'd go out there, it's still winter, and throw a bucket of of water on him to freeze. (laughs) I mean, stuff you could never act like get away with doing nowadays. He was so mad because that that Wolverine had ruined his entire winter's income. And I think, uh, you know, there's another Glasser thing. He talked about, it was in the 20s, I want to say, when Fox... It was just getting absurd, even yeah. for today, more than you could get today for Fox in 1920s. $300 for a, a silver fox, I think. I think so. I think it was $300. But he said he made so much money from just trapping and shooting fox in November yeah. that he kept a room rent in the nicest hotel yeah. in Fairbanks, oh, yeah. bought, bought yep. every new gun every that gun, came yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff like I've, I've often, or every time I drive by Black Rapids, I look across and try and figure out what that box, the, there's a box canyon. He uh-huh. describes that some had happened, some dogs, when he owned Black Rapids lot, Roadhouse, some do- a couple dogs had showed up, so he took care of it. And anyway, ended up taking them over there in the spring to go after this giant grizzly. Yeah, yeah. And they got that grizzly penned up in that box canyon. I think he killed him with his 220 Swift. His 220 right? Swift, The dogs yep. chasing him yep. back and forth, yep. you know, right in front right, of him. Just about run right over him, yeah. yeah. You know, or the time he... Up from there, I think I know the hill he killed that he sat on and when he killed like 14 or 8, you know, however many, a bunch of grizzly bears for the for the federal government wanted samples of for the grizzly the bears. Yeah. Uh, it was for the, <laughs> what's the big museum? The Smithsonian? Smithsonian. That's right, yeah. Yep. They wanted samples yep. of all age classes of the, that... Because I think they had a theory that that particular Delta River grizzly, Toklat yeah. grizzly, yep. you know, was more because they were always attacking model T's uh-huh. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, in the springtime went and got, I'm pretty sure I know the hill he got up on yep. and glassed and killed just a ton of them. But I think it was on that trip where you know, he, he'd had some old ammo oh. and talked about squeezing it off on that one grizzly that was. I can't remember if it was charged, but it was real close. And he just, and then he woke up laying on his back. <laughs> or in a, did it, what did it do? It did it blow up? I don't think it blew up his right. It just something weird. Something there is something exploded because it blinded him. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I used to take that book along when I was younger when I was guiding, and I'd read it at night to my hunters. Yeah, I'd read a chapter <laughs> to them like little kids. You know, put them to sleep. And then one more chapter, Daddy. They cha- say. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's just an awesome book. So yeah, highly <clears throat> recommend that one. But uh, yeah, a lot yeah, of my sets out there in the mountains are because of him, you know, on ridge tops. Yeah, I mean, just because of reading that book. So yeah, he mm-hmm. man talking about learning things the hard way, though. You know, just tough. Yep. But yeah, he actually drew a map for Fred Bear of my drainage. Oh wow. When Fred Bear was coming up here to go hunting, 
Wow. And uh, so there's a cabin that he had on that map that's below mine about a mile. So it's just before the canyon. Mm -hmm. And I've never found it with that flood that we had in 07, it kind of gully washed that pretty hard. And so I, I can find no sign of, of a cabin there. Yeah. But I found a lot of trees that were cut. Yeah. And so it would be kind of interesting to go mess around in there with a metal detector. Oh, just see and what just you could... kind of see what it, what it was. So um, if it was a, I think, I think he said it was a miner, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So. But yeah, you think, I mean, his prime of stomping around was a hundred years ago. Oh yeah. Almost, yeah. you know, back then, you know, they talked about the, cause the Black Rapids Glacier pushed all the way up against the other side you know he talked yeah, about across the river he talked about wading the delta yeah. river to go shooting yeah. sheep and bringing yeah. them back the same yeah. day but and they you know talked chiseling out tracks in the ice for the the model t's that they would yep. bring up that trail so when i moved here you could still see that glacier in 1991 yeah i think yeah when we moved up here you could barely still see yep. it so yeah she's receded quite a bit so yeah i mean i think my dad said when when he was a kid, they went sheep hunting on on that glacier, and it was all still almost out to the yeah. road. So that sheep that's hanging in the other room over yep. there, uh, that one was killed back there. Yeah, that was uh, old Buck Brownfield shot it back there. Yeah, so. but yeah, that that Central Alaska range has some really cool history uh-huh. to it. Well, you know, uh, the property that I just bought out there on my trap line, that cabin and that original homestead was set up by hugo strongberger in the 20s and he was a market hunter back in there and, yeah. and uh reardon wrote about him too in in his book samuel white yeah that was the first big bust out there when they busted oh. hugo and so he built the main cabin and then uh, the spring cabin, which is right below my cabin, and then there's another cabin out in front of that. Hmm. And he built all all those cabins and lived out there and was a market hunter after when they made it illegal, when they stopped market hunting. He was yeah. still doing it yeah. and uh, still shooting sheep. But uh, there's a couple natural mineral licks out there that he sat on. And, and uh, there's several books that guides, back in the old days when guides would do a hunt, it wasn't doing a week or a 10-day hunt like, we do now it yeah was a, it was a full-on safari they'd go for a whole month oh yeah and they might be down in yakutat hunting goat and, and glacier black you know glacial black bear mm-hmm. and brown bear and then come up here to hunt moose and sheep yep. in the alaska range you know so it'd be oh, over yeah. a month you know a, a big a big deal and there was uh Slim Moore talked about it. There were several other old guides that talked about going out there and hunting that same lick that's across from my cabin and finding the blind that Hugo shot from. Yeah. And he'd shoot sheep and didn't matter, not only rams, but ewes too. Yeah. And uh, just as meat. And they said there was bushel baskets of casings. Jeez. And uh, Slim Moore said it'd actually make you sick to think think how many sheep were killed oh yeah out of that, on that. so but yeah and then so the cabin that's right below mine we call it the spring cabin he built that over a creek a spring that doesn't freeze so it's it's really water it's, it's really weird because you'd think 
that water being that cold, like in the summer, you yeah. cannot put your hand in it. Well, it's like the Delta clear water, yeah, exactly. you know. It's so freeze cold. Your balls you can't, off you can't in go there. in it. And but it won't freeze that winter yeah. in the winter. So he built a cabin, a two story cabin on top of that creek where it flows right under the floorboards. Huh. And so it stayed forty degrees in that that lower half of that cabin in the summertime. Oh, so he man. could hang his meat in there. Oh yeah. It was nuts. So and it's still the the cool thing is that cabin's still up, but it needs it needs to be knocked down and because it, it's going to just fall into the creek. But yeah. I'd like to to restore that cabin and just build a new cabin out of because there's so much history there. It's, oh, yeah. It's just neat. So, but he ended up dying in uh, in jail after he got he got, got busted by Sam o. White and uh, he got pneumonia and died in jail. But hmm. before dying, he ended up signing that property and everything off to Bob Busby. Hmm. And then... Uh, Bob ended up selling it in the in seventy one to a group of six guys, and then wow. I ended up buying into that last year. So it was pretty cool. So to I mean to be out there for as long as I have, and now to own a piece of it, oh yeah, is pretty neat. So, but just kind of right time, right place, I guess. So, but yeah, yeah. So what you got? You're just gonna this winter. You're pretty much you're gonna so you're gonna go hunting down at kodiak and then pretty much probably as soon as you can get out there and start slinging oh, steel you're gonna yeah yep so i you know and, and i usually i'm a little late getting out there anyway because across that river yeah you know, that town and i was pretty pretty yep. treacherous where i cross it and and then i can't run that river until we get adequate snowfall to cover up them boulders yeah or adequate glacial ice to to cover up yeah overflow ice to cover up because that's a pretty narrow that's always you know you know <laughs> granted i've only been up there one time but from some of your pictures and stories it's always a little sketchy going yeah. up there I you, mean, you get the be, ice fall out from under you and, yeah it can be uh but you've got a whole the, extraction kit yeah it can be the most beautiful ride you've ever been on in your life or it can be just pure hell i yeah. mean it's 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 not thin you just you don't know from day to day yeah so but and, and I, I just kind of learned over the years that, you know, the, these aren't, these sleds aren't toys anymore. That's a tool that's got to get me in and out. So I'm pretty slow driver anymore. I don't, yeah. I'm not racing around. And, but, and we were talking about that uh, earlier about, you know, Massac trapping. So Jim trapping so much, putting so much more work into it. So on a, on an average year, he'll put five to 10,000 miles on. Boy. Yeah. That's a lot. So in a good year for me, I'll put 2,500 on. Yeah, that's, that's a good. I mean, I put some effort out. And you and, and you've got a lot more distance, I think. Than well, of course, I don't no, know all he, the country. He no, he runs three hundred miles a line. Oh wow! Yeah, so do and it. I got about one hundred and thirty. If yeah. I got everything out, I'll have about one hundred and thirty miles. So, but and so that'll tell you. I mean, he's out every day putting a hundred miles on. Oh so yeah. So if I put fifty miles on a day, I didn't done, and that's not going from the truck to the cabin. Yeah, that's I mean, a but trap like line. out there yeah. trap line. Then uh, that's a pretty big day for me. Yeah. But, so he, I mean, he covers some country. Oh, I so. guess. Jeez. <laughs> but, what did he say his best year was? Like seventy-five wolves. No. Uh, forty, I think. Forty something, 40, which I is think. still a tremendous oh, yeah. amount. Yeah. Of, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I well, I, and when he catches that kind of numbers of wolves that doesn't say uh doesn't include the 80 mink or the 60 oh uh, yeah the, the 60 otter and the 50 beaver and yeah the 100 red fox and that's just <laughs> just wolves you know so, I mean, yeah he's and he's, i think about because I, I put up about 50 a year uh -huh. you know about 50 wolves a year and that's yeah. skinning for 
other guys yeah, catching them. I exactly. mean, that, it's just yeah. seriously impressive. No, it's that, just, I was talking to somebody just the other day about it, and, and it's just amazing how hard that man works. Yeah. And, I mean, you think you're tough. He's 60 years old. <laughs> and, I mean, there's there's not very many 40-year-olds that are going to keep up with him. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, to do it day in, day out. And the only thing that stops him is if it's 40 below. Then he's going to stay at the cabin, and he's not going to sleep in. He's going to be skinning stuff that he brought in to start thawing. Yeah. He's going to be skinning that, putting it up, working on snow machines, working on chainsaws, doing something. Yep. The only time he takes that day off is when he comes for an ATA meeting or, <laughs> or an ATA board meeting. <laughs> and I kind of laugh because guys won't come out to the to a trappers meeting, uh, Alaska trappers meeting, because it's 30 below out. <laughs> Jim come from his cabin on the Chattanooga come all the way out just for that meeting he's going to turn around and drive all the way back and go down to his cabin <laughs> but you couldn't get out of your house in town pull out of your warm garage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing so and I mean it's people like that that keep the Trappers Association going yeah so I mean it, that's a commitment so it's it's all volunteer you know but you got to volunteer so but yeah that's a that man right there is that's old school trapping right there. Oh, so, yeah. Pretty serious but, business. Yeah, if we could get him to do a podcast, that would be pretty That would be cool because cool. I, I don't have his number. I, I, I so just taught, I don't know him well. I've yeah. taught, you know, talked to him every year at the trapper school when I help yep. do the fur handling stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, talk about yeah the the mind of a, getting into the mind of oh, a of a master, master. <laughs> yeah and i've been i've been just blessed because i met him right when i moved up here yeah so i got to spend time with him down on the trap line and and realize that i'm not tough enough to be a trapper so i got a job in yeah. town and <laughs> <laughs> so but and he's one of those he doesn't doesn't brag about nothing you would um, be very unassuming yeah and so guy, you you, know. you have to when you go out on the trap line with him you have to ask I mean, you uh, you have to ask him questions. You can't. He's working. Yeah. So he's not going to just tell you stuff. You, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. Or you that have or, to ask. You yeah. know, And and <laughs> I remember taking him out of my trap line. I don't remember if that was before I had you out there. Because I think I I went out there the year you bought that cabin. I think. Okay, so I think it might have been that year too. I brought Jim out there and. And uh, so I was asking him a bunch of questions because now my country is totally different from his country. Yeah. And uh, so he just starts setting sets. And I was like, no, no, no. This is my trap line. <laughs> I'm going to set the sets, Jim. <laughs> you're not going to go catch 30 wolves on your line and 20 on mine. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're just going to tell me if I'm doing this stuff right yeah. now. And, and uh, so it was pretty cool. So. And I'm going to tell you something for all you listeners that are trappers. I've talked to a lot of great trappers and, and called them friends. And, and the thing that I've learned the most, or the, the I'm not going to say the thing, the, the quote that I learned the most from is from Jim, that trip. And so I had, uh, I'd caught a moose and the wolves actually killed it. Yeah. But so now I've got to move all my gear away from that. And that's the year they change it to 300 yards or a quarter or mile. Because what's it? I thought now it's 100 yards. Maybe, I, maybe it was. Maybe it was 300 feet. It seemed feet. like it, maybe it, it was, was 300 yeah, feet. Yeah. So anyway, so I had to pull all my gear from around that. 
and move it back. And I didn't have a lot of traps right then, but I had 13 number nines. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jim, so I, I set a couple sets, like four sets. And Jim's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, we're going to move on. He's like, well, you know the wolves are going to be back here. Put all your gear here, all your traps. Yeah. And he says, if you find a better spot some other time, go move them. But he says, you can't catch wolves with traps in the sled. That's true. And that just blew my mind. And so I set all 13 number nines right there. Two weeks later, the wolves came back. I had six wolves in leg hold traps within 300 yards of each other. And every other trap had a footprint on it, but they were frozen. Yeah. And then I seen the, so I had the alpha female for sure. And I think the alpha male, but anyway, the rest of the pack was up on the hill and I counted them. There was nine more and I, I couldn't get a shot on them. But anyway, so, and that has stuck with me pretty it makes sense it's like you know and that kind of also goes with the old you know you can't can't catch wolves that aren't there you know so yeah yep. you know a you know your trap sitting in your in your trap box aren't yep. going to do you any good and you know you get a spot like that yeah it's it dump that gear and dump, like, dump it out because you yeah you can always move it you know it's is yep. is as, as opposed to just going on the chance of oh well i might yeah, I might a find spot. a better spot. Yeah. You know, when you get a spot yeah. like that that you know yeah. they're going to be back or yeah. some so, wolves are going to be back. Yeah, that was pretty pretty impressive when I when I come around there. So, uh, yeah, I had six wolves in traps, dispatched them all, and it's like, oh, man, this is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, like 25 below, and so I dispatched them, pulled them out of the traps, set them next to the trail, and then I drove on up the trail checking the rest of the sets. Well, by the time I got back, all their feet were froze. Oh, yeah. So I had to haul them all the way back to town. Oh yeah, and then skin them in town. And so that's when I realized, okay, you want to be doing your skinning out there. Yeah. For one thing, when you start hauling that kind of of weight and that many furs, or, or I shouldn't say furs, animals in a sled over that distance, that's where you get damaged. Yeah, and I, you know, and. That's a big one too. You know, I think I think more damage is done to hide. I see more damage done to hides in, in the, the transport yep. than than yep. by the trap or snare yep. or you know dispatch or any of that. It's you know when the, those things freeze hard, especially yep. snare caught wolves, yep. they're a lot of times frozen awkward positions, and oh, yeah. it's just super important yep. to a you know wrap them in an old sleeping, sleeping bag, bag or. or Quilt, yep. quilt or something yep. and then tie them securely so they're yep. not sliding yep. but, uh, so yeah the, so it, whenever i'm at the cabin now and it's and it's thawed then uh even if it's close to being thawed if it mm-hmm. if i pick it up and move the legs yep. i'm hanging it up in the cabin i'll skin it next day yeah and uh and then get that up then i just roll that fur up throw it in a, in a game bag or a, a dog food bag outside and and uh then i can deal with it at my leisure oh yeah but a whole bag of those aren't going to hurt it themselves no that's and that's that's a huge thing you're not only are you you know and if you pick up six at one time that's a lot of it's a big that's a sled load but you know like you said and i tell every you know everybody at these classes i just over and over again so if you can get them you know get stuff off the carcass even Mm -hmm. if you don't have time to finish it get it off the carcass you can you know fur side out roll it up throw it in the freezer yep. it will thaw quick enough that you're not risking yep, it going definitely. bad during the thawing process so yep. yeah you've 
definitely and ironed then, out a few of those details. Yeah, and I've I've tried to uh, I try and stay caught up. So like Jim, I, like I said, I don't catch much fur. I yeah. mean, I don't catch a lot of fur. I've catch more than some, not as many as others, you know. But but I don't like to have open my fur shit up and look, and there's seven fox in there and four lynx and twenty yeah. heart, and I was like. And waiting for, hoping for a cold day. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm always working, especially Martin are real easy. You yeah. Because Martin, I'll, I'll put six of them out, you know, if I got six that are frozen, I'll just put them up and, and, uh, saw them out next morning, they'll be, they'll be ready to yeah. stand. I'll pull them right out of there. I mean, pajamas. even I can have them on the board in like 10 or 15, you know, exactly. 10 minutes yep. or 15 yep. minutes. So, you know, I hear about these guys talking about ones, you know, from the start to finish, you're done in eight minutes and, it's like, well, I, I guess I'm a little bit slow, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not much of a hurry. So, but yeah, and, and I like them because you can do it. And then I just oh, yeah. do them right there on, put them on the board, and and two hours later, spin them around, yep. and and then I can leave them on the board at the cabin when I come to town or, oh, or yeah. whatever. And, yeah, and, once they're once they're right side out, they're yep. taken care of. Yep. Martin, especially, yep. you know, some of the other bigger stuff. It's like all wolves generally all skin and put them up tack them out, leave them for 12 to 14 until they're getting to where I can just Tacky, barely yep, turn them. Yep, yep. I like it to where I can, <laughs> I, I've got to like rehydrate, you know, I like it, getting them to where I have to wrap the nose, the ears and the feet in wet paper towels for like 10 minutes just to get them pliable again. So I'll turn my feet way before that because yeah. I've ripped too many feet. See, I, I, and I, and I have had issues and every once in a while I'll get one that I just got to be paid and I got to stop. Be, all right. Well, you can do that. I don't do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't have that stop or patience. But, uh, I lost that. <laughs> so I, oh, I've, I, I've just turned them inside out, ripped them, just blew them apart. Yeah. it's uh, uh, But what, what made it easier for me is when I, and I like getting stuff like that because I want to get it out of there as yeah. quick as possible, yep. get it out of my garage so I can get paid for it. Uh-huh. Um, basically, that hide is almost too dry to turn but I'll, I'll pop it off and, and just soak paper towels and wrap a layer around the nose, the ears, um, sometimes the armpits and the feet for like 15 minutes. And it, it's like it just rehydrates enough of the outer surface of the skin that you can uh-huh. crinkle it up and make it pliable again yep. and turn them relatively easy, but it'll still hold its shape. Because um, that was an irk when I turn, it's, oh. it, it pisses me off when I turn stuff a little too soon come back in and I've got to spend the next two days babysitting that foot, you uh-huh. know? Yep. So, you know, yeah. you, you basically, you don't want any time that that hide collapses back on itself, you're risking slippage because yeah. it'll rehydrate. So I'll turn my feet a lot of times before they're, they're crinkly. Yeah. And then if, if there's moisture in between them toes or something, yeah. where, you know, where the pad, where I flush the pad off, yeah. I'll just put a handful of salt in that. Yeah. See, so. I, and they still seem to dry out pretty good for you. Yeah, and then dump it out. I well, mean, yeah, because it'll hold that moisture in there. Yeah, because if you and that's one thing I tell guys that ask at least the the things I've tried with salt. You know, I I quit using borax. I mean, it, it has ways that it can help you. Um, but salt, you know, guys that want a salt feet, it salt is a way to put a immediate stop to that decomposition or you know mm-hmm. that process. But I tell guys, if you're going to salt the feet, leave them inside out. But because anyway, the few times I've tried, maybe I just didn't get enough of it out. But 
you know, even though I thought I did turn it right side out and that salt is always pulling moisture, whether it's pulling oh, yeah. moisture from yep. the air and yep. kind of, so yep. I just had a hard time with having yep. it, having it, but I, that doesn't mean I was doing it yep. the right way. There's, you know. Yep. And I'll still play with the borax a little bit. Like sometimes I'll put borax on the, on the face, you know, mm-hmm. like especially if you get a water headed one. That oh yeah. Snare, you know, I'll put some salt or borax on it. Yeah, and that, I, so. you know, I use a ulu to flesh the heads, and that seems to do really good on that watermelon. You know, when you get that swelling <laughs> in the head on the skin, it, it shaves off fairly. I'll still paper towel it. And, and that's why I don't use snares. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't use very many yeah. snares. And some guys uh, um, some guys will use sawdust uh-huh. on yep. them to help dip yep. dry, and that, that seems to work. There's a pretty good video on YouTube uh, of a guy that's skin and mink for a fur farm i'd guess yeah but he's got a bucket of saw uh sawdust there and he just throws that sawdust on there and then he can grab that fat yeah and it just same with martin it and looks it, really good on. Martin, yeah and so. i noticed and especially well, i i like it with it helps on the wolves on their necks you know that that strip of neck meat that yep. sticks to the skin yep. is a son of a bitch to flesh off sometimes yep. and uh but it was actually a canadian guy that was up here with nafa a few years ago showed me in that fine hardwood sawdust. If you yep. can get, it seems to work the best, but I've used my table saw sawdust, oh, yeah. yep. but you, you, I'll just have a bucket right there when I'm fleshing and grab a little dab or handful, kind of just rub it on that, that flesh. And then that lets your flesh and knife, knife or whatever bite. you're using yep. bite into that yep. and grip that fat yep. and tissue. And it pulls off way easier. So that's, or like, and it soaks up some of that grease like Kodiak yep. Fox or Ocean oh. Fox. You want to talk about a freaking pain in the ass. <laughs> That's like skinning an otter. Well, there, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, we've killed them. They have oh, an crazy. inch of fat yeah, on them. It's crazy. And and it sucks, you know, because otters, you know, they got that thick, nasty, yep. but it's beautiful because their hide's thick enough uh-huh. that you can, you know, you, you get it started, it. you can go to town on it. Yep. But those fox, the hide's not much i mean they're they're descended from ranch fox so their leather's a little different but it's still a fox skin it's still thin skin and you got to be careful you know you a got to rip this huge wad of fat off of them yeah and what what irritates me the most on those fox is right around the bottom you know the skirt and most stuff i tend to just knife flesh a little bit i try to clean skin them right at the very start and then i don't yep because if you use your flesh and I've a, the hides a little looser on the beam there and pushing that grease ah, right into the hair, yep, yep. you just can't get it out. So, but on especially greasy stuff, that sawdust will help, you know, huh. it, it's, it seems to help keep as much grease from getting, from running down into the hair. Cause wol- Wolverines are bad like that uh-huh. too. They got that nice, like nice layer of fat and yep. it's like Crisco when you're, yep. you're fleshing them. No, I do that with bears too. When I'm, when I'm fleshing a bear, I'll pretty much everything I start. When you do that initial cut, I'll clean the skin for the first like three inches. Yeah. And then just try and get all that fat away. And then when you start rolling that fat down, when you put it on the beam, yep. then you can just grab that before you get to that and stop that from getting onto that skirt. Yeah. And getting that all over that hair. So yeah. if you're getting it tanned, it doesn't matter. I, but if you're selling or presenting it, then every little bit, you know, you don't and, want that on there. Yeah. And, and it's paying attention to the, when you're marketing for like, paying attention to the details. Cause that's one thing, you know, a buyer when they're, you know, there's the grade is the grade, yeah, yeah. but 
for, yeah. for like a taxidermy type thing or, yeah. you know, like Bill looks at this stuff all the time. It's how you, like, for example, how I turn the ears right side out. When I turn them right side out, I push that cartilage up in, yeah. even all the way through. Yeah. So it like, I'm trying, trying to think of a way to describe this. A teepee. A teepee. Yep. So the cartilage is completely separated, not touching the back of the ear. Yep. And it has a certain look yep, to it sure when you do that. Yep. And a guy can tell immediately by looking that you turned the ears right. Yep. You know, whereas b- before I learned how to do that, you just turn them back. And if they aren't dry enough, they're going to rehydrate. Yep. And it's always a. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to have you give me a lesson on noses. I forget how to do the nose all oh, the time. Oh, splitting noses. Yeah. Man, so. I, I like, I, I've started just doing that on even down to fox. For wolves, I think it, because if you don't split them, the nose, lips and nose seem to be the last thing to dry yep. on a wolf. Yep. And I, I even flesh their lips off on the fleshing oh, beam yeah. I don't, with I the usually, Ulu. Yeah. Um, and, and I haven't found a good way to do it with a knife, but with a Ulu, at least the chunky, yeah. you know, upper yep. lip, yep. I can flesh that off on a beam and it dries quicker. Mm-hmm. But if you don't split the nose, that thing's the last thing to dry. And a lot of times I would take wolves off the board, hang them on a nail. Then the next morning, their nose is all stretched out. And I think they'll typically dry okay regardless. I know bears, a lot of times, if, if you don't split them and get a lot of that, because there's a lot of flesh and oh, fat. Yeah. Yep. up under that nose skin yep. and i've seen it where bear's nose skin comes back from the tan and it's gone and you know some taxidermists use artificial noses but uh-huh. some guys you know it's nice to have the real thing but yep. yeah it's anyway for wolves it seems like it makes it helps their it definitely helps their faces dry quicker and i think they fit the board a little better yeah, definitely. Yep. But yeah, I'd be happy to show you. It's yeah, I was I mean was meaning to do that when when we were at our our general shopping school, but I was skinning the feet out with that little kid. And so yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So yeah, that was a pretty big class. It seemed seemed like bigger than that's the as, last couple of years. Yeah, that, it, it it was. It was a full class, and that's about as big as we want. Yeah. So I mean that that was actually almost too big. So, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was kind fun, of a though. balance of getting getting enough people getting a bunch of people involved and still being able to have the one-on-one yeah and and, and so from some of our complaints there uh from the students you know in the in our uh we give them that survey at the end yeah and they wanted a little more one-on-one they wanted to be setting some traps and yeah well, i mean that's cool but i don't want to us to get sued for somebody getting their thumb in a trap you know because yeah. <laughs> <So. laughs> you set enough traps you will catch yourself <laughs> yeah just i have hope. i haven't been caught in a 330 but i've been caught in just about everything else yeah. i have <laughs> yeah yeah that and it just it takes so much time like you know i like i enjoy the all day there's a couple you know we usually do one in town and yeah. then last year we did one down in toke a yep. fur handling class yep. it was all day and so you know the I say kids is there's usually some kids in there, yeah. but you know, new guy, inexperienced people want to learn, get some hands on time. Yep. And I got to struggle with myself patience wise because yeah. yep. it's, uh, sometimes it's just pulling teeth. Cause like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just want to get, you know, let's just get this thing done. But it, it really helps. I think register at least for some people to be able to, you know, watch you do a foot and yep. then have me walk someone, yeah. And we'll do that over at Bill's shop too. Sometimes yep. there was a kid that 
lives out in the bush and in some villages, a native guy, and he, uh, I showed him how to, he caught a wolverine, he brought it into town hole, and I showed him how to skin the whole thing, and the feet, you know. Yep. He said, you know, holy shit, you know, that took me an hour to skin a foot yeah. before. So little things like that, man, especially if you can put it into application soon. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had that little kid, and I think he was seven or eight. And so I showed him how to do the first foot on the fox. I did, did it all. And then uh, he got a knife, and he did the other one. Mm-hmm. And he, I just do little things that I talk to myself about, you know, when I'm walking down the, when I'm walking down the knuckle, yeah. you know, getting to the last one and looking for the line or whatever. And so I, I was telling him that. So he was repeating everything I said and, yeah. and did the, the last one by himself. And the, we, you know, you had the skin and Gabriel, Gabriel up. So I couldn't do that. So we were doing it right on the table. Oh yeah. And uh, so I'm kind of pulling the foot and, and pulling the hide and he's doing the cutting and, and, uh, but yeah, it was pretty neat to see him do it and showed the enthusiasm and it's, and you know, it's, it's funny cause it's really like that, that kid is his name's Tyler too, uh-huh. down from Toke, you know, last year in that class, you know, a lot of times it's, even if it's only a couple people in the class where you see it click yeah, exactly, and yeah. you know, they're, you know, like that kid's going to be a killer. Yeah. You know, well, he kind of already is, but you know, yeah. he, he was picked it up really fast, was good at it. Yeah. And, you know, you know, he's going to catch a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he, you know, he actually came, when my limping my four wheeler out, he came and rescued me. He's the only person I'd get hold of and toke huh. yeah. <laughs> on the way I'm coming out of my sheep hunt. But when I, uh, when we were at that general trapping school, I was amazed. We had those five little kids and they were all, I think under 10 mm-hmm. and they were asking all the questions. Yeah. None of the adults would ask any questions. I did notice it seemed like there was not the normal percentage of people kind of hung around because it's like, you know, I drove down, you know, yeah. drove down here to show you this because it's valuable information. Well, we had three, <laughs> three, three yeah. skinning at the same time though. Yeah. So, that was tough. But yeah. And I mean, how many people can you get around while you're skinning, uh, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah. But there was, you know, there's always a few and that makes it worth yep, it. You know, exactly. when you know there's a few people yep. that, that really pay attention and yeah, if you can pass on just a few of those time saving things, it makes a big deal. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've kind of beat around the bush back and forth and <laughs> around, but, uh, Man, it's been really good. Finally, I I feel bad because everyone. I have, you still ain't brought that boy over. Still so haven't I, brought I, the boy over yet, so I'm gonna have. I, to. I understand why you wouldn't bring your wife over, but the boy, <laughs> I gotta meet the boy. Yep, yep. We'll have to do that pretty soon. But yeah, man, it's been great uh-huh. sitting down and catching catching up with you. Yeah, seems like my schedule. I I don't do too good at keeping up with anybody yeah. anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah. But it's been great. Any uh, any parting thoughts? Not really. <laughs> I guess we'll leave it at that then. Leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. Thanks.